My name is Dr. Ian Storch. I'm a board-certified gastroenterologist and osteopathic physician, and you are listening to DO or Do Not. If you're interested in joining our team or have suggestions or comments, please contact us at doordonotpodcast.com. Share our link with your friends and like us on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you enjoy this episode. On this episode of the Do or Do Not podcast, we interview Dr. Robert Kane, President and CEO of the American Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine, also known as AACOM. As a specialist in pulmonary medicine, Dr. Kane graduated from the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. Before he became president, he served as the Associate Dean for Clinical Education at the OUHCOM, where he oversaw business development and relationship management for clinical experiences associated with undergraduate and graduate medical education. Prior to this university appointment, he served as the Director of Medical Education at Grandview Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. Over the past two decades, Dr. Kane has served in various roles on several local, state, and national committees, task forces, and boards, including the American Osteopathic Association and the ACGME Osteopathic Principles Committee. Dr. Kane was inducted into the AOGME Collegium of Fellows in 2018 and has received many other awards for his contributions to osteopathic medical education including the Association of Osteopathic Directors and Medical Educators Leadership Award in 2014, the OUHCOM Master Clinical Faculty in 2011, the OUHCOM Standard of Excellence Award in 2009, and the ACOI Teacher of the Year in 2004. We hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to the Do or Do Not podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Robert Kane, CEO and President of ACOM. Good morning, Dr. Kane, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Good morning. I'm happy to be with you. First of all, on behalf of the whole DO or Do Not team, we want to extend our gratitude to you for inviting us to the 2022 Educating Leaders Conference. Can you take a moment to describe for our listeners what is going on at the conference and what is the theme? Sure. Well, interestingly, this year's conference did not have a specific theme, and I'm sort of excited about that because it's been more about watching what are the themes that have emerged and what we've we heard people talking about. So I think that one of the largest components has been reimagining osteopathic medical education. Right? What can we do to assure its future? There's been a theme that is clearly aligned to diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, which has come out in a number of spaces. But some Something that made me feel really good was after the end of the, the first day when one of our deans sent me a text and said, I see a theme of hope and value emerging in the conference. Awesome. What kind of lectures can an attendee expect to find at the conference? Well, you know, there are a mix of things that actually happen here. We try to have presentations that focus on leadership and leadership development. We try to have um, programming that's focused on curriculum and curriculum development. Again, I think there have been a lot of presentations this year focused on um, osteopathic content itself, how to better integrate our principles and practices into the curriculum, and also that underlying theme of diversity, equity, and inclusion. For our listeners who might have missed your original episode, What does ACOM stand for, and what is the current function of ACOM? 
So ACOM stands for the American Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine. And I do have to get in that we are nearing our 125th anniversary, which actually next year's conference will be. So we've been around for a long time. And from the very beginning, we've been doing the same thing, which is supporting the nation's osteopathic medical schools and really trying to be the voice for osteopathic medical education, the national voice. So during your previous interview with the podcast, you mentioned the spiral staircase that ACOM provides for osteopathic physicians. Can you elaborate on that a bit? And specifically, is there a part of the spiral staircase that is geared towards pre-medical students? So I have to tell you, that question made me smile. <laughs> um, that somebody remembered that image of the spiral staircase. So what the spiral staircase is really um, meant to represent is the career pathway of a DO from the time they enter into our medical schools through to the time they hopefully become leaders in the in the profession. And each step along the way are places where we choose how we're going to use our osteopathic um, principles in terms of patient care. So the first step is um, applying to a DO school, right? Learning and understanding and making a choice to go to a DO school. The second step is about choosing your mindset once you're in the, the DO school, so to, to focus on developing those osteopathic principles. And as you get to the last two, which are critical, one is, do I want to be a good role model so that I can help the next generation you know, actually become a strong osteopathic physician? And then finally, leading, leading the profession uh, into a new space. But your specific question is really interesting because... I haven't thought about what's the step before we even get to the application and how could we do more in that space. That actually gives me something to think about. Um, to continue with that theme, what are some good ways to get involved with ACOM and choose DO in the pre-med years? You know, we this past year, to, to actually show you where we're headed with that, we started making some changes in our undergraduate medical education services program. And part of that was to address the pre-med component and how we connect to that space. So we've actually hired a new vice president in the past year whose job is to look at the transition into medical school, right? So how do we support the schools? How do we potentially support the students who are interested? Um, right now, we have a number of fairs and other events throughout the year where those interested in going to med school can engage with our community. But hopefully what we'll see is some growth in those projects and services so that we can probably in the future answer that question even better. As the president and CEO of ACOM, in your personal opinion, what do you think makes a great DO applicant, and how does that differ, if at all, from an MD applicant? You know, over the past couple of years, we've tried to use some survey information and, and conversations with students to begin to identify, are there characteristics that seem to align, like that the, the students who end up going into osteopathic medicine, do they have certain characteristics? And so some of the things that we see are students that have, in general, a holistic approach to life. So not just that they say, oh, I'm holistic and I'm interested in medicine, but rather they can give you examples that appear to suggest they get the idea of holism in that sort of um, big picture. They also seem to have characteristics that suggest deep and pervasive relationships are important uh, to them, right? And so I think, you know, relationships should always be important to every physician, no matter which degree you carry. But I think what happens in terms of the osteopathic profession is we emphasize and magnify the importance of those things and, and how they should uh, direct patient care. And then finally, there's a third element, which is understanding the power of touch. 
right? So whether that be physical touch or mental touch, I can, I can touch the heart and soul uh, of a person. And so I think looking at those three things and being able to identify students who say, that means something to me, guess what? Hopefully we have a profession and an approach to medical education then that aligns to those values. That's a, a great comment and very similar to something Dr. Margaret Wilson mentioned earlier in the day. So a, a great theme to continue on. Are DO schools specifically looking for applicants who clearly have DO as their first and maybe only choice? And as someone who falls into this category, how can I show an admissions committee that this is truly the case? So I think that's, let's go back to the choose DO pathway for a second. Sure. So I think that there are, we're going to find in the future, as we always have, that there are students who say, this resonates with me and I want this. They may not have even known that we're out there, but if we can do a better job telling our story, then that match can occur. But I think there'll always be people who say, this is the school that accepted me, right? I, apply, I just I want to be a doctor. And I ended up, I was accepted to a DO school. And our opportunity as a profession is at that second step, which is forming the mindset of the, uh, of the student, right? I think we want quality people who can respect and be interested in the values and the principles that this profession um, puts forward and that they grow and they become good osteopathic uh, physicians. There was a second part to your question, though. I want to make sure I try to get to it. How can you show an admissions committee that this is truly what you want? Yeah, no, I, that's why I wanted to ask that because I, I think there's a part, point there I want to make, which is show you've made some effort to understand the profession, right? To not just, oh, I've applied to both MD and DO schools, but do I understand what it is that osteopathic medicine wants to do, what it's trying to contribute to the healthcare system, and that I value that too. And so whether it be through some of your experiences, through some of the connections that you can make, um, I know that uh, that can come in a variety of different ways, but even just your own personal reading about the, um, the profession itself, I think those can be helpful. If I could follow back to a previous answer you gave about incorporating touch and personal relationship into medicine, do you feel like that is something of a lost art in today's day and age of technology and administration and sort of high speed? I think it's an art we're at risk of losing, right? And and so... Um... And it's also important to understand how we do that in a, in a professional way, right? And, and again, whether that's physically and interacting with the patient or how we engage with them as humans. Establishing that relationship is critical to trust. And the more we distance ourselves through tools, that's challenged. But I also think it's on us as a profession to figure out that's not going to go away, right? Our, our, the idea that we can do telehealth gives us a chance to do healthcare we've never done before. So what we have to do is to figure out how to engage with people that still allows for that connection to meaningfully occur. And then we balance them when we get the patient in front of us in an actual exam room versus the other types of technology that we would use. So I think that's actually an opportunity for us as a profession is to find how to keep those connections alive. What is the best piece of advice you received during your medical journey that maybe you would like to share with the incoming generation of aspiring physicians. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this is something I wish someone had said to me earlier, and so that's why I'm sharing it today. When I was leaving, I'd finished my internal medicine residency, and I was leaving to go do my fellowship in pulmonary medicine. 
and the assistant program director for the residency, I was a cardiologist that I respected, said, I, I just want to give you a, a, a piece of, of advice. And um, actually, I'll make two points to your question. He said, I just want to give you a piece of advice. And what he focused on was that um, all too often when we get into the specialty, the specialty roles, we end up problem solving based upon information that is already available about a patient. And that our job, our job as physicians, is always to start from the beginning and understand the patient, right? Don't let those things influence us. And um, I, I just remember how across my career that has, I've heard his voice over and over again in my head and how often that's helped me problem solve, that we jump in too soon and we anchor and we take on some kind of bias that actually um, uh, keeps us from helping our patients uh, as we should. The other way, the other comment that that someone made was um, focused on don't pocket yourself too early into a specialty. What sometimes we actually see start to happen, I think general, there's Medicine is made up of two mindsets, the generalist mindset and the specialist mindset. And I think osteopathic medicine is very much about coming to medicine through the generalist view, this big picture view of the world. And if we narrow ourselves down too soon, we lose the opportunity to, lo- to learn all of these other things. And so that other piece of advice that came to me was focused on um, take every everything you do take as an opportunity to learn and see if that might be where you really want to spend your life. And don't early on anchor to, I want to be an interventional cardiologist or I want to be a pulmonologist. or And instead, give yourself that opportunity to, to grasp with learning everything that you can. Excellent. That's really just excellent advice. Uh, that is actually all we have for you today. Dr. Robert Kane, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, there's two two things. One is, how do we create pathways earlier for people to become interested in medicine, period, right? I don't care if you want to become, just just to get people interested in medicine. And especially coming out of the pandemic, looking at the fact that we don't know where things are going to go right now. And, you know, it looked like in the early days of the pandemic, this was going to be, oh, this uptick and everybody wants to go into healthcare because of this almost heroes phenomenon. And now this question of, boy, looking at what's happened in healthcare and how people have been treated and, and the challenges that have occurred is what, what, what will play out over the next five to 10 years. And also looking at burnout overall and well-being issues overall. So we've been trying to develop very early programs, third grade through sixth grade, just to get people interested in medicine. And one of the programs, the way it's designed, then starts to weave in little things about osteopathic medicine, right? Because if you think about it, how are you going to teach a fourth grader about osteopathic medicine? Teach them first about what does a doctor do, right? And then can you start to get the idea that there's you know two kinds of doctors in, in, in America? And um, so we have early programs like that. And then to engage differently with how are the advisors for students in the in the college setting because the real influencers are going to be the people you sit down with who might actually say well you know seem to be really interested in let's go back to the way i answered the earlier question in deep relationships sort of a holistic approach to life and in, in touch well do you know anything about osteopathic medicine so i think this idea that we can spend more time in that pre-med space to help people understand what does this profession bring to the table and who would care about that, then maybe we can make a difference. 
And those sound terrific ways to increase the profile of the profession and continue to grow it. Well, we're excited about that part of it because, uh, again, it's why we... So when I came into the role, the, the recruitment team reported up through another part of the organization. I was like, I, I want to, I need that person reporting directly to me and elevating it to the executive team so that we are sending a message, hopefully externally, that this is really important, right? And that we want to move from a significant number of people just not even having awareness of us to, oh, wait, that's another pathway to medical practice and it attracts me and, and that it's, it's not, it's not sort of a, Advisors. I'm not talking about to the students necessarily, sort of a secondary pathway. We were hearing a lot of that. And so we need to get to that group because they're influencers. And then the other thing we assume we can do, we want to do more of as we go forward, is how do we engage our students to help us? I mean, you're doing that, right, in, in a sense. And, and how do we engage students to, to broaden the message and reach so that people know, again, what it is osteopathic medicine is trying to bring to the healthcare system? Um, I probably, in that first interview, commented a little bit about, I, I see the two degrees as complementary. They're not competitors, right? We have an incredibly complex healthcare system. And no one group has the solution to everything. But having these two slightly different perspectives and two approaches to patient care hopefully gives us a better way of trying to make sure each patient gets the care they need to actually have the best and fullest life they can live. This concludes our episode of Do or Do Not. Send all inquiries, comments, suggestions, and even let us know if there's someone you want us to interview to do or do not podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at do or do not podcast for updates. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your classmates and administration. We have plenty of more interviews lined up and we're excited to share them with you. This is Tian Yu Shea. Thank you guys so much for listening to do or do not.